huge victory this week as I took a vacation and we didn't miss an episode. Holy crap. A lot of stuff to cover today, including the hot topic. What is my absolute favorite part of vacation? Stay tuned. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set. With your host, Darren Starr. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. I am Darren Starr and I'm a full-time online prep coach and have been since 2012. You can check me out at 5starphysique.com and read about my coaching programs, check out workout programs that I have available, read articles, and most importantly, you can click on the podcast button at the top or go straight to thedropset.com to vote on the most recent poll question posted at the top of the page. It is really kind of hard to believe that I've been doing this since December of 2016, but here we are. We're over 200 episodes in, and we're still kicking. It's crazy stuff. Now, this show thrives on and exists only because of you, the listener. So I thank you for being here and also encourage you to contribute your questions and discussion topics. You can email me at darren at fivestarfitness.com or more easily click on contact from fivestarphysique.com and submit your question in the form. You can also find me on social media at Darren underscore star on Instagram is probably the best way to go there. Please also give a rating, like, thumbs up, review, or whatever is appropriate for whatever platform you're listening to this on. And please share the episodes you like and tag me in your posts. I appreciate it tremendously, and it helps us here reach a bigger audience, which makes it more likely that I can nab higher profile guests for future interviews. So with that being said, let's get on with it. Hey, everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to The Drop Set. This is episode 209. I'm trying something a little different today. So if it sounds different in podcast land, it's because I'm now waving hello to everybody in YouTube land. And I'm trying to record all of this stuff together, and we'll uh, we'll kind of see how it works. So um, I don't know that there's a lot of value in me doing a video podcast when it's just me talking to the computer screen. But I know I see a lot of radio shows out there, like talk radio shows that simulcast live, um, like they stream it on the web. I don't see a lot of value in that either, but they get a lot of eyeballs. So I'm like, eh, why not? So more ways that people can listen to this. I'm all about it. Now, if people do watch the video version of this, it does mess with my podcast listening stats a little bit because supposedly that's poaching a uh, listener that would be listening to the audio only stream, whatever. I'm not really too worried about that. So, hey, how are you doing? It's good to have you back here. As you can see, this is my setup. Um... Here we are. So um, I positioned the camera up a little bit just because I wanted to get it out of my face just a little bit. So I might look up to you and wave and gesture a little bit, but mostly I'm going to be looking at my screens here. Um, And I also want to make sure you could see um, Derby right there. So um, for those listening, um, my little dog is really fucking cute. So Derby. Yeah, she don't really care. Um, She will sit there until like, I don't know if the... My wife said she got a text from the guy who does our yard. And so um, that's an indication he might be showing up today. And if so, there will be a little bit of a bark apocalypse. And if that happens, I will probably stop things and (laughs) resume later. So let's get right to it. There's a lot of things that I want to talk about today. And I'm just going to kind of ramble on here for a bit. Um, And we're going to start 
I'm going to recap my time away. Um, so I did. We did drop an episode last week. That was my interview with Wendy Lever, which was great. If you haven't um, listened to that episode 208, go check it out. Um, you can also watch it here on YouTube as well. So um, really good. I'm thankful to her for her time. Uh, she was very generous with that. So um, always looking for more interviews because they're always. Um, I always get a lot of feedback from those. People have indicated that they want more, just like general episodes, kind of like what I do here. But you know, I got to listen to where the feedback comes from. And whenever I have interviews, I always get a lot of feedback on those more so than anything else usually. So, um, and it's overwhelmingly positive. So, um, actually, most of it is. I don't get a lot of negative feedback, which I think the people that would normally say that, they just know I'm a fragile creature and they don't want to break my spirit. So they just keep it to themselves. But um, I can take it. If there's something that I can do to, to make this uh, better, let me know. But be gentle, please. Don't say, yeah, you need to replace yourself with somebody else who actually knows how to edit a podcast or host one or talk on camera. That'd be good too. Like, ooh, that's pretty harsh. I don't know if I could take that. So, uh, cushion it a little bit if you could. Um, so I wanted to give a uh, recap on my week away. Um, some travel woes for y'all to relish that it wasn't you. Um, and then we're going to uh, kind of what um, gracefully transition from that into a topic that is relevant for me right now, which is how do you bounce back from a week off like that? Uh, and uh, I have some thoughts on that and I can share my own personal experience right now as well. So and then there are a few questions um, and other topics that I wanted to cover as well. So we'll see what we get to here. Um, I won't spoil anything right now because at this point, I don't know how far down this list I'll get. Maybe I will spend the, I spend the entire thing ranting about Allegiant Airlines, which is entirely possible. That could be what the next 45 minutes are all about here. So um, it does remind me of uh, a new survey question that I have online. So let's go over that. Let's talk about the results from the last one here. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was asking, what's your go-to method of cardio? Now, this, this one has been up for several weeks, and it managed to garner 21 votes. Ooh, wow. Epic voting here. Thank you. To the 21 people, I would say 20 because I was one of them. To the 20 other people who voted, thank you for going. For the rest of you out there, get off your ass and go vote, please. Um, that's the not terribly diplomatic way of trying to drive traffic to the website, but please, please. Um, what's your go-to method of cardio? Um, most people, 16 out of 21, um, said machine. So bike, treadmill, elliptical, stairs, etc. A couple people said running outside. A couple people said Metcon work. Those are the psychopaths. I want to identify you people so that we know to avoid you because if that's your preferred method of cardio, y'all crazy. Um, and zero people, uh, one person said other. I'm not sure what that is. Um, I don't know, vigorous sex maybe. I don't know. Uh, and zero people said classes, which is great because I freaking hate group classes. A lot of people, they really dig the community aspect of stuff like that. I just, I absolutely do not. I, I, I tend to dislike the community aspect of most everything, but especially working out. Like I want to do that by myself with nobody else around, please, but not at a home gym. I want to be in a commercial gym where I'm the only person in there. That would be ideal. So um, anyway, the new question that I have up is, where is it? Here it is. What are your thoughts on extended breaks more than two consecutive days from training? Some people may quarrel with my definition of an extended break there. That's fine. If you want to quarrel with it, 
make your own podcast, put up your own survey questions. That's how I'm defining it here. So what are your thoughts on extended breaks more than two consecutive days from training? And I'm going to force your hand here. I'm only giving you two options. Um, so which one of these is more correct? You dread time away from the gym or you look forward to those breaks. Um, and this would be something like, you know, I would say maybe not related to injury. Like if you are having a a surgical procedure done or something like that, and you're supposed to be out of the gym for three to four weeks. Well, you're not necessarily looking forward to that, right? Um, but for vacation, you know, for me, um, I will tell you how I'm answering here. I look forward to those breaks um, because I work pretty hard. And when I get an opportunity for a break, I take it and I enjoy it um, because it's a chance to physically recover. It's a chance to come back and ideally perform a little bit better than you were before and just enjoy some time away. Get get out of the routine so you can get back into it. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, a lot of people that I talk to, like on vacation, they're panicking. Um, they're taking a trip. They're traveling. It's a vacation or whatever. I don't know what to do about missing some days. What do I do? Um, do I need to find a gym? Like, well, maybe, but you could just take some time off too. You know, I I I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to work with. Uh, you know, majority of the people that I work with are really really passionate about getting their workouts in. Um. And, uh, for me, I like to encourage those people, like take some time off, enjoy it. You know, the, when you, when you are somebody who wants to go, 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 oftentimes forcing yourself to go a little less, a little less frequently, take some more rest days, focus more on your recovery, both long-term and short-term is a better thing. But that being said, don't let me color your answer here. I want to know. Uh, so I won't make any, feel, I don't want to make anybody feel bad if they're voting that they dread time away from the gym. That's okay. Be yourself. Um, and you might be in a position where I dread time away from the gym, but I force myself to do it anyway, or I'll, I still take the opportunities just because I know I'll get some kind of a benefit out of it. And you will, you will. So anyway, I feel like I've just, I've, I've colored everybody's answer on that, but there you go. Um, so you can go to the dropset.com. Um, several people have reported that they, they have trouble finding it. Uh, uh, there, but if you just go to thedropset.com, um, or you can go to fivestarphysique.com and click on podcast, it's the same thing. Um, you have the menu bar, then there's a black bar up at the top of the, so down below that, which is where the page actually starts in the main section. So there's a sidebar that has like subscribe links, etc. Um, but the main section, it says drop set podcast with Darren Starr, subscribe, and there's four little buttons. The survey is right below that. I mean, it's very close to the top of the page, so it should be very easy to find. So um, that'll be up here uh, by the time you are listening to or watching this. So my vacation, what happened? What happened? Well, let's see. We had a flight from Knoxville to Boston, and it was on Allegiant Airlines. And uh, Allegiant has a reputation as being a, a budget um, airline or an a la carte airline where you pay for your ticket and then everything else is separate beyond that. So like your ticket lets you on the plane, but it doesn't give you a seat. You have to pay extra for a seat. You want a carry on bag? You got to pay extra for that. You want a checked bag? You got to pay extra for that. No complimentary drinks, everything you pay for. Um, also, I would say the, their airplanes have the worst seats ever and they don't recline. So um, they also have the most pissant little tray tables that fold down. They're about the size of a Kindle. Um, they're just ridiculously small, just stupid. So if you're trying to like do work, uh, good luck finding USB ports or power, pff, give me a break. No, 
<laughs> if they were there, they'd, they'd have a credit card swiper on them. So you'd have to pay to charge your phone. Um, so th- that's fine. You know what you're getting when you get on there. So um, our tickets were not budget priced um, at all. Um, so I don't feel like we really you know, saved any money going to Legion. So in Knoxville Airport, again, the Knoxville Airport, Tyson McGee, small little airport. It's 10 gates, right? It's nothing significant. So you walk in there and you know, like if there's a giant line at the TSA security checkpoint, um, giant for Knoxville as I think like 75 people and it moves pretty quick. Usually anyway, we have pre-check now. So I'm like, and you know, so far every time that I've flown with pre-check, uh, I have gotten into a pre-check line where the normal line has maybe five people in it. So I've never really gotten the opportunity to be like, aha, yeah, sticking it to y'all. Um, more on that later. But we have to check a bag. So we didn't do carry-ons. We're just like, hey, let's just check a bag and uh, have less to haul around the airport with us. And we'll just have our personal item, which uh, my wife had a little backpack. I had my little laptop shoulder bag. Um, which had my laptop, charger, headphones, Kindle. That's about it. So, um, and uh, so we had those bags and we had our check bags. So we walk into the airport and all of the airline counters to check a bag are empty except for the Allegiant one, which had somewhere between 150 and 200 people in it. And immediately I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay, there's going to be a problem. Because I'm looking at it immediately. I'm like, is this line going to move fast enough for us to actually make the plane? Mm. And, you know, with Allegiant, boarding starts 45 minutes prior to departure. So I'm like, okay, uh, you know, the, the plane is definitely going to be boarding by the time we get out of this lane. Um, but we'll just, we'll see what happens. So it's moving, it's moving, it's slow, it's slow. And by the time, um, we get to the front of the line, um, it's about 40 minutes prior to boarding. So they started boarding five minutes prior. This is important with Allegiant. They stop accepting checked bags for a flight when boarding starts. Just let that sink in for a minute. Not the ramifications of that, which are pretty obvious here. And by the way, they do not bend that rule, no matter how much you threaten people and yell at people, uh, which was not us. There were other people in our our situation as well. <laughs> the situation got kind of ugly. Um, and uh, man, what a dumb policy that is. Like every other airline, like if you're going to let me on the plane, you'll put my bag on the plane too, right? For some reason, Allegiant is so incompetent or incapable of handling their logistics correctly that they feel the need to shut off accepting checked bags 45 minutes prior to the plane pulling away from the gate. Why? I think because they're just assholes and they enjoy being shitty to people. I can't think of another reason why when every other airline is able to pull it off or they're just so incompetent and their logistics are so bad that uh, that's the best they can do. And uh, it's, it's really the point is like if you had one more person manning this check bags counter when, you know, it's going out the door, then suddenly the line's moving fast enough and this is a non-issue. Like if you just don't have people waiting around forever, like I missed the deadline because your line was moving too fucking slow because you're not staffing this appropriately. So anyway, um, uh, we get there like, yep, we're not taking your bag. So, you know, we can rebook you for Thursday, you know, uh, five days later, four days later. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't help us. That doesn't help us. You can go fuck yourself. Thank you. Um, and I mean, just talk about a woman that did not give a fuck 
I'm talking about the woman behind the counter. She did not care uh, at all. Like no sympathy, no apology, no consideration about bending the rules. No, let me see if I can call somebody. Just like, nope, next. Like, wow, fuck you, right? Six ways from Sunday. Holy crap. Um, so I'm like, you know, immediately like, well, I guess we go home and sit on the couch and cuddle up with our dogs instead of leaving them for a week. And, <laughs> and my wife, to her credit, she took a beat and she's like, nope, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> and so this is what we did. We sprinted back out to our car in the parking garage. We ditched our bags. We pulled whatever we could. We took about 13 seconds to pull whatever we deemed to be essential out of those big bags and put them in our personal item that we had to carry on our shoulder or on our back. Um, and so like we each grabbed our toiletry bag and I grabbed like a pair of pants and a pair of socks and that was it. And then just the clothes I was wearing, that was what we went to what we went up to New England with. Um, and so then we sprinted back got through security and got to our gate with about seven minutes to spare and we're huffing and puffing. We were not the last people on the plane, but we were pretty damn close. And then, you know, that was it. That's how vacation started. So, um, exciting, right? Yeah. So then to make a fun day, even funner, the flight was uneventful. Um, I think it took, you know, the first half of the trip, I think we were somewhere over Virginia by the time our uh, heart rates kind of settled back down a little bit. So we land, we get off the plane, we get, uh, there's a, a shuttle in Boston Logan airport that has to take you to the rental car center. We wait for that shuttle to show up for 30 minutes before it shows up. Oh my God. And meanwhile, I'm just like, holy shit. You're looking for one specific bus to show up. Every other bus in, in the entire airport shows up first. The line of we were the only people there when it started. And by the time the shuttle actually showed up, there were about 70 people there waiting for it. Like, oh my God. All right. We barely get on it. And then I tell my wife, I'm like, okay, as soon as we're done here, I'm sprinting off. Look for me at the Alamo counter. Uh, as soon as we land at the rental car center, I'm running in there to get ahead of all these people. So I'm not waiting behind these assholes in line. Uh, and so I did that and I beat everybody that was on our bus to the Alamo line, which was already about 40 people deep. <laughs> And if you've ever been in a rental car line, you know that those are some of the slowest moving lines ever. Um, so we're in that line for, God, 50 minutes thereabouts or so. Finally get up to there and I'm expecting them to say they didn't have my reservation or something like that. No, they had it. All right, cool. So I'm, I'm in and out of the, that counter in record time once I get up there. And then uh, they say, okay, so go over there up the escalator to level three. And that's where your car will be waiting for you. Well, ideally you get up to level three and what's waiting for you. Another line, 40 people deep um, waiting for their car. They have their reservation slip. They're just waiting for their car because Alamo slash national who are working together and sharing space here are out of cars. Um, and so as they come in and as they get them cleaned and washed and brought back down, then they send a new person out to the car. So, um, one the couple of people in front of us are like, what kind of car do you have compact? How about this Mustang convertible? Is that okay? Cause it was all they had for people I'm like, yeah, all right. It was, it was one person who had a full size car, got a Maserati. <laughs> like, fuck. All right, cool. So I'm rolling up. I'm like, all right, what do we get? Well, we got a Jeep compass. Um, all right. So anyway, that was another 30 minutes. It was like, it was over two hours from when we landed in Boston until we were driving out of that airport with our car. Oh my God. And I hadn't eaten anything all day long to say that I was unpleasant to be around would have been a little bit of an understatement. So, um, yeah, that's how vacation got started from there. It was all better. Um, we didn't have any issues beyond that. We went to, um, 
we had a hotel outside of Boston. We stayed there, spent a couple of days going to Salem and uh, in seeing and experiencing all of the craziness that is Salem, Massachusetts leading into Halloween. Holy crap. That's a shit show, man. I mean, it's cool, but what a mass of people. Holy cow. Um, and uh, what we did a, a harbor cruise out of Salem Harbor, which was great. Um, and then we drove up to Maine and we stayed in Saco, Maine, outside of Portland, just a little to the south of it, um, which is a beach town. And I didn't realize, but in Maine, um, those towns really fill up during the summer. It's a seasonal town. I did not realize that. Um, it was described to me as a sleepy little fishing village. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's, it, where we were staying at least, and maybe, maybe more inland, that's how you would describe it. But where we were staying, it's a beach town, like it's vacation spot. And we got there in October. It was shut the fuck down. <laughs> there was, there was nothing open. We had to go into the main part of town to find anything that was open at all, which was a fun realization on our part. But, uh, we were staying in an Airbnb there, and our our host had some some options for us, which uh, worked out well. We did spend a day in Portland. Uh, just uh, we did another harbor cruise there, which was cool. Um, ate at a couple cool spots, and uh, then the next day we went up. and I really wanted to go see Acadia National Park, um, but it was a three and a half hour drive from our Airbnb, so it's three and a half hours, and then do whatever you want to do at the park, and then three and a half hours back. And I was like, oh my god, uh, it was just. We didn't do that. So instead we took highway one, which was the scenic route up to, you know, probably about halfway to Acadia and just stopped through some little towns in Maine and saw the sites and ate at some spots and, and took some pictures and did some cool stuff and came back down after that. And then our final day we spent, uh, we drove back, ditched our car at the airport, um, took an Uber to Seaport, um, which is in East Boston. Um, and had a hotel there and just kind of walked around. We took a train into town, walked around Boston Commons and Beacon Hill, I think is the place, right? Um, and just saw some stuff around there. We were exhausted. So we gave up early and surrendered and went back to the hotel and chilled and then just had a, a meal within walking distance for dinner and then hit the airport the next morning. We were good to go. Um, oh, the, the more on the TSA part that I mentioned earlier, um, Boston did not have a TSA line coming back and it was a huge security line that we were not able to skip, uh, which was really annoying. So, uh, sorry, they did not have a pre-check line. So, um, that was obnoxious, but <laughs> it was a mess. Oh, one thing I forgot is, uh, when we were staying outside of Boston, one of the first couple of nights, we did take a trip down to Providence, Rhode Island, which was uh, what hour and a half, something like that South. And, uh, at the Providence zoo, they were having this jack-o'-lantern spectacular, which is this thing that you walk through with all these carved pumpkins. It's at night, so it's all dark. All the pumpkins are lit up, and it's set to music, and it's this experience. There were somewhere between ten and 15,000 pumpkins carved in that place. It was the most batshit crazy, insane thing I've ever seen. It was nuts. Totally nuts. Never seen anything like that before. Way too many people. Whole bunch of kids families, et cetera. So you had a lot of people to wade through and it was very much like my wife and I were walking through it. We got separated. And then by the time we see each other, there's like 15 people in between us who were waving and trying to get caught back up. It's like you get moved into a sea of people and you get separated a little bit. It was one of those kind of experiences. So 
Anyway, the whole trip, um, I was more active than I usually am just because normally what am I doing? I'm, I'm sitting here at my desk doing nothing, um, just, you know, being lazy. And then I go train and I do cardio, but the rest of the day I'm doing absolutely nothing. So uh, I was more active. I got a lot more steps than I usually do. I did no cardio. I did not lift and I ate whatever the hell I wanted, um, which was the plan going in. And the plan was to, you know, eat whatever I wanted and just be reasonable about it. Was I reasonable about it? Kind of. Yeah, more or less. Um, I did go, you know, a little, a little heavy on a couple days and had some extra snacks that I certainly didn't need, but I'm like, I can, so why not? So, you know, I came back and I'm up about six pounds and I figured, well, you know, we'll, we'll drop a good chunk of that pretty quickly. That hasn't happened yet. I mean, today was my third weigh in. So Sunday was like, let's see what the sticker shock is. Okay. I'm up six pounds. I also had a pretty good size drop just before we left. So otherwise I'd be down like four and a half or up four and a half, but it was about six. So, and then, um, that's only fluctuated a couple of tenths yesterday and today. So eh, I'm not too worried about it. Um, I'm back in the routine. I feel much more rested now. Um, cardio is a little slog to get through this morning. Just, I think just tired for who knows whatever reason, but, um, lifts have been good. Um, I lifted on Saturday when we got back and Sunday took yesterday off and then back to it today. So, um, the, one of the topics that I wanted to discuss here and let me pull it up on the, uh, the trusty phone here. Um, cause I made a note here. What was it returning to form after time off? Yeah. So, um, how do you do it? You know, one thing that, that we did is, um, you know, uh, after we landed, I immediately got right back to it. So the first thing I did after saying hi to the dogs and spend a little time with them is I unpacked everything through all my clothes, all my dirty clothes in the, um, in the laundry and all the clean clothes that I didn't take with me because they'd been sitting in the back of my car in my suitcase that didn't make it on the plane, put them back. So put everything away. I was, that's one of my favorite things to do when I get back from a trip, which is ridiculous. I realize it's ridiculous, which is to like erase all evidence that I was ever gone. Um, so like get my bag, my, my empty luggage put back in the closet um, and get my toiletries all put back away, get clothes sorted out, start laundry, it's, do all that stuff. And I like to do that. Like if, if I finish all that stuff 30 minutes after I walk back in the door, I feel like I'm too slow. Like I, uh, it's, it's this weird compulsion that I have and I can't explain it, but I just really like to erase all inclination that I was ever gone. I don't know why it's, it's weird. A therapist could probably have a field day with me digging into that. Um, maybe we'll do that. I'll have a therapist on. We'll do that live here in an upcoming episode. Who knows? <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, I, I went to the gym, I, I made my grocery list. I went to the gym and I hit the grocery store on the way back and I did meal prep and it was right back on it from there. So, um, the main thing is don't feel like, and this is what I hear a lot from people, whether it's, you know, due to a vacation or if they were sick or who knows what, um, they were forced into some work travel. They miss a few days, they're off plan or whatever. And then it's like, well, I guess I'm starting over. You know what I never said? Well, I guess I'm starting over. You know why? Because I've been doing this for over 20 years and compare one week off plan to 20 years of mostly being on plan. It's less than a drop in the bucket the bucket doesn't even have any moisture in it. Like it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And all you need to do is say, well, that was fun. Cool. I had my fun. Now let's get back on it. 
And that's the big thing is if you bring that mindset to it. And, you know, one thing that I would say I do very, very good with um, is not feeling guilty about shit. And one thing I, I often tell clients is if you come back from a trip like this feeling guilty because you were off plan, the guilty feeling hurts way more than the being off plan did. Like you'll beat yourself up more from that and that will cause more of a long standing impact um, mentally um, than whatever you did, you know, under the hood or, or physically. So just cut yourself some slack. Instead of feeling guilty about it, think about like, okay, how might I approach that differently? If, if maybe I feel like I, you know, I'm guilty because maybe I feel like I should have done something differently. What, what, what should you have done differently? And how would that have impacted your trip? Um, cause you know, that trip wasn't cheap. You know, it wasn't the world's most expensive vacation, but you know, places to stay, airplane tickets, rental car, this, that, and the other thing. Um, it, it wasn't super cheap. So, uh, you know, if I'm going to have a trip like that, I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to spend that time worrying about like, Oh God, I wish I could be on my plan. No, no. The time for that is all the, all the weeks out of the year that I'm not on vacation. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Um, you know, don't binge and actively try to ruin your progress. But just because you're not on plan, focused on making progress every day, doesn't mean you are actively moving backwards either. So, and maybe you do a little bit, who cares, you know? So now I've got a few pounds to lose that I've already lost before. I don't really like to do that, but eh, it was worth it. I had a good time, had some good food. It was, I needed to get out and relax and recharge. And the value from that is something that doesn't show up on the scale. Um, but it's, it's something that has to be noted anyway. Like you get a huge value from that. So you've got to accept that, be okay with it. And then just say, all right, and then hit the reset switch when you get back and just aggressively switch back on plan. And you don't want to do one of those things where you come back and then you're like, okay, let me take a few days to kind of get back into it. No, 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 no. Screw that. It's not a dimmer switch. It's a light switch. Flick it on and you're good to go. Like come back in. You're, you're refreshed, recharged. And trust me, like I said, this was not a relaxing trip. I did not come back physically relaxed, but I came back refreshed. Like just being away from home, being away from the desk and all that, being away from the gym um, was nice. So in a way, there was a little physical relaxation because I wasn't training. So that was kind of nice. You know, as much as I like doing that, it's also also nice to not do it um, when when you know you can get away with it and when it's time to take a little bit of a break. So, um, but then that time's over, and then just you know aggressively steer yourself back on. The other thing is consider all the variables that change when you're on a trip like that. So if you're not training, you're not doing cardio. Um, like for me, I was doing much more walking than I normally do. So does that offset any of that? Not really. Um, I, I like to differentiate activity from cardio. So I was much more active, but I was much less cardio involved. Um, and, uh, the, the big thing aside from like diet being off as well. Um, and clearly like proteins and fats were way higher than normal. Protein was way lower than normal. Um, so all those things were off. Calories were certainly higher than normal, I would say, but not obscenely. So, um, it's just the ratios were off quite a bit. The other thing though, is water was way off. Like I didn't drink hardly anything at all, which kind of makes sense when you're on vacation because you know, when you're at home or when you're, you know, at work in your normal routine, you know, where the nearest bathroom is when you're in a foreign place, you don't necessarily know, or you're going to be spending a lot of time driving around or on planes 
and uh, fewer bathroom stops is always a bonus when you're doing that. So for that reason, I was kind of deliberately under my water intake. And then I'd, I'd bring a bunch in at one time like, okay, I haven't had any in six hours. Let me chug down 20 ounces. It was that kind of a thing. So water intake, I would say maybe the most aggressive I got one day was 50 to 60 ounces, something like that. That was about it. So it was very low very low for normal normal for me is about a gallon and a half so it was you know less than a third of that um on my best day so that that's the biggest thing i think and if i I remain active on that here then i think we'll see things kind of come back to uh come back to normal within a a couple more days here it's one of those things where i'm going to wake up in a day or two and i'm going to drop three pounds i just kind of know that so um watch online I'll, i'll be transparent about that so um that was uh that was one thing here. Um, I had another note for a topic on my phone, and I'm not sure what I meant with this, so I'm gonna save it because it'll come back to me at some point. So, <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll get back to that uh, at a future date here. Um, now, I think, man. So I'm recording this video on Zoom. Um, the problem here is this doesn't tell me how long it's been recording for. So. I feel like if I push any button, it's going to fuck it up. So I'm not going to do that. I don't know how long I've been talking for. Always when I'm recording an episode, I've got the little counter in my app, uh, in my voice recording app that shows me how long it's been. But this doesn't have that. So I don't, I don't know. Um, this episode might end up being 25 minutes or an hour and a half. And I have, I'm not going to have any idea until we're done. Um, but I wanted to talk uh, about a couple of things here. Um, these were additional comments from um, the Dropset's most avid listener, apparently. Or it's most inquisitive. I'm not sure. Grace. Thank you, Grace. Once again, she has been responsible for many, many of our conversation topics of lately. So um, she had a few more. Um, you know, we had our check-in yesterday, as we normally do, and so along with that check-in, she's like, "Hey, podcast podcast questions for you. Here you go." Um, so um, one of her questions was, "What?" has been your proudest moment as a coach. And while I saw this question yesterday, I didn't really stop to think about it. And I'm not really thinking about it until right now. So um, now you you get to hear me kind of process this and think about it and come to a conclusion. I don't really know what that is. I would say um, the things that give me the most satisfaction are not surprisingly the things that give my clients the most satisfaction. Um, so somebody might you know win a pro card but for somebody else just the fact that they did a show might be the biggest victory they ever could have possibly imagined for themselves and so it's really like you know how does a person feel after they hit whatever their goal is um that that always kind of makes it hit harder um i would say um Man, there are a couple of moments that stick out. Um, hmm, that's a tricky one. You know, sometimes I mean, you know, I I, I really struggle tooting my own horn. I really do. So um, I'm I'm missing a lot of stuff here. I know that. Um, whenever we we go into, you know, if somebody's going into a show and they are. You've done a show before and they go in with a clear objective, like I want to show up, you know, and not even worried about placing, but I want to be, I want to be improved in X, Y, or Z, like as far as their presentation is concerned. And we hit that. I feel like 
that's me coming through on my promise to them to help them fix whatever that was in the past. So I always like that. I get a lot out of that. Um, I don't really get too much out of placings. Like I don't, um, I don't worry about low placings and I don't really get too overly excited about high placings just because that's all objective. And I think um, the satisfaction or the disappointment that somebody might feel from that is something that kind of fades, but it's the sensation of how somebody feels um, about something that's more lasting that is big on me. Like somebody who is working towards a wedding date and like they have their dress fit and they look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, I can't believe this is me. Like that's the shit that kind of hits me harder because I know what a big deal it is for them. And when somebody like is clearly like so focused on their goal that they are not going to let anything pull them off and then they hit it, they hit their goal, they hit their target, whatever it is. Um, that's huge because I know how hard they worked to make that happen because I work with a lot of people who make it look easy every week. Like they're just perfect every week. It's certainly not the expectation. It's not the norm, but I do work with a good number of people who do that, but I know it's not easy just because they make it look easy and what they report to me, that doesn't mean that it is. And so I realized that and that's always satisfying too. When we hit a goal, um, just because, um, I know that they've done everything that they possibly could have to do it. So it's always nice when, when things work out. Right. Um, if I had to pick one moment though, um, it would, man, it'd probably be when, when my client Trish won her pro card. Um, that was a big deal. That was a big deal when she won her IFBB pro card, just because she'd taken a couple of stabs at it and, uh, finally came through and had a class win at uh masters nationals she won uh masters 50 plus women's physique and got her pro card and it wasn't so much that she got it but i talked with her on the phone after that and like it was a while back i mean not like 10 years ago or anything like that but it was oh was it 2020 i think 2021 i don't know the years kind of blur together for me um but i can still remember how she sounded on the phone after that like you, you can just tell like what a big freaking deal that was and um that was awesome so uh and trish is one of the very very few clients that i have that i've actually met in person as well like she made the trip here to knoxville one day and we got in a workout together which was super cool so um to be able to kind of to, to help her with that. And, you know, we took a, a, took a few attempts at shows and this wasn't her first national show and just being able to, you know, pull it together. And, and again, a lot of it's just circumstances, who else is going to be there that day? You just don't know. So it wasn't the pro card win. It wasn't the, the, the card specifically that was the big deal, but it was, you know, hearing her afterwards, which was, I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that sticks in your head. So if I had to pick something, I'd say probably that. I mean, it's, it's a tough choice, but uh, that's what I'm going to go with. So very good question. Very good question. Um, Grace also asks, um, what are the symptoms of a slow metabolism? And how do you address that? That is a great question. So this is, uh, you know, reverse dieting in a nutshell. What are the symptoms? Well, the symptoms are, and this is, hold on. I need to recharge here briefly. This podcast episode is sponsored by C4 midnight cherry specifically the only c4 flavor that is worth a damn 
It is not sponsored. However, C4, who's the company that makes this? Is it Cellucor or am I getting things confused? I have the wrong glasses on. I can't read this. Jesus. Oh my God. I really can't read this. Do I have my other glasses here? Oh, I think I do. Hold on. Hold on. This really doesn't matter, but I'm way too invested in it now. I can't pull back. Hold on. Switching. Switching from computer glasses to the readers. These are the uh, way too strong readers. Okay. Wow. I can read this. Yeah. Trademark and distributed by Nutribolt. What the fuck is Nutribolt? What happened to Cellucor? I thought Cellucor made C4. Um, I don't see any mention of the word Cellucor anywhere on this can. Um, and what's this? I don't want to turn it too far sideways so it doesn't spill. Trademark of DuPont used under license to Nutribolt. What the hell? DuPont. Good Lord. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, if, uh, if Nutribolt wants to uh, sponsor the podcast, uh, I'll be happy to accept your sponsorship. But uh, not if you make me promote those god-awful Skittles flavors or your strawberry watermelon or whatever the blue horrible crap is. So Midnight Cherry, among all the energy drinks, this is one of the top three. But this flavor only. This is the only one. All the other ones are shit. So that being said, I don't think they're going to sponsor this podcast. Um, but hey, if you're okay with a conditional sponsorship, the only flavor I'm going to talk about is Midnight Cherry. I'm your man. man. The rest of them suck. They're toilet water. Um, okay, now I can't read the computer. Where was I? Oh, yes. Slow metabolism. So this is where it gets tricky for me as a coach. That was the worst sponsored product segment ever, by the way. Um, that'll probably never happen again. <laughs> Derby is uh, clearly amused. Tickle her little head. Oh, she's out. She's out. I'm glad that everyone's remained quiet. I don't know where Taz is. He's upstairs moping somewhere, probably. Um, so uh, I feel like she's here really just to help attract views. You know, I mean, any video with a puppy in it, it's, it's, I mean, it's clickbait, right? So she's probably going to make it into the thumbnail, I would imagine, for this episode. We'll see. We'll see. Um, slow metabolism. It's tricky for me as a coach because the signs of a slow metabolism are if somebody is doing all the work that they're supposed to do and we are pushing aggressively on a deficit and doing a lot of work and nothing's really happening, that's a slow metabolism. Um, Where it gets tricky for me is, you know, is somebody really doing everything that they're supposed to be doing? And sometimes, you know, as a coach, there's there's a few camps that people can fall into here. Sometimes you get somebody who, um, and th- this is rare, but it does happen. And uh, that's the, somebody who just is not transparent or honest with themselves or with their coach. Um, I've had some of those clients in the past who have out of themselves and been like, yeah, actually I haven't been tracking my macros for the past five weeks and all of the weigh-ins that I've been putting in and all the data and the numbers, I've just been making those up. Like, okay, cool. Thanks for coming clean. You're fired. Lose my email. Bye. Um, I just have, no, at that point, I mean, you are 
people will often say like, you know, Oh, I don't want to waste your time, blah, blah, blah. As far as like, you know, a bad check-in. So we're just going to skip this week or I can't put a hundred percent into my plan. So I'm just going to bail for, for on coaching for right now. I don't want to waste your time. I'm like you're not wasting my time. Give me a break. That is wasting my time. When you're having me look at bullshit data that you're making up, that is not a reflection of reality. Um, there, I can't describe how little patience I have for that. Just don't. Don't go there. That tells me that there's just nothing about the process that you take seriously. That's that's a problem for me. So um, that's why I always like it. Like if somebody's off plan and their their tracking sh- spreadsheet that they send to me it just looks like a fucking mess. It's like at least they're honest. I like it. I like it. And I'll comment on that. Like, wow, these macros for these few days here, these are hideous. But kudos on you for tracking it all. You're like. <laughs> At that point, you know they're not made up because if they were made up, they'd probably make up something that didn't look that bad. <laughs> like, yes, I really did eat 620 grams of carbs as opposed to 185. Okay, cool. Kudos to your accounting. Nice work. Um, now let's fix it. Um, so is somebody following the button? You get some people that are subversive about it like that. And then you get a lot of people who are making mistakes that they don't even know about. And this is where, as a coach who works online... Um, I think a lot of coaches are really quick to accuse people of being in the former camp when really they're in the latter. Um, I hear this happen all the time when people will reach out to me and they'll talk about their experience with the previous coach and like, you know, I wasn't making any progress. And the coach just said it was because I wasn't following the plan. And it's like, I was. And if somebody is writing me that email, um, I am inclined to believe them. Like, yeah, I bet you were. Otherwise, you wouldn't be protesting in an email to a new coach that you have not started working with yet. So a lot, I know that a lot of coaches are quick to point the finger to somebody like, you're just not following the plan. It's like, well, maybe they're trying to and they think they are, but they're making a mistake somewhere along the lines. Maybe they're measuring their rice as dry when it needs to be cooked. Something like that, which is going to mean if they're, if they're having rice for all their meals, they're going to basically double their carb number. That could be a real reason why somebody isn't making progress. I just heard a lawnmower start up, which could be the yard people. Oh, maybe that's just our fan. I don't know. We'll see. If the dog, oh, look at Derby right there. You people on the audio only version, you're missing out because that is one cute freaking dog right there. Derby. Oh, just a little movement of the eye and back shut again. All right. Um, You go to sleep, girl. Uh, So I'm never going to point that finger at people because to this day, I still, even though I've been burned a couple of times, I'm still going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And then rather than saying, well, clearly you're just not following the plan. What I want to do is dig in a little bit deeper and say, are there elements here that we're just not following correctly, but you think we are. And so that's when I start asking questions about how things are tracked. That's when I'll start asking for food logs to see if I can find some significant accounting errors. Um, Now, clearly, if we're off by a couple of grams of this or that here and there, that's not a big deal. Okay, you're tracking 130 grams of carbs as opposed to 120 you know, are you on plan? Well, not really, but is that, are those 10 grams making a difference? No. You know, if, if that's the difference between success and um, being stuck, then we've got other problems. And those problems would be slow metabolism, likely. The other things would be, um, how hard are you working? 
Um, you know, so, uh, if you're slacking on your cardio, like you could be logging a lot of minutes, but they might be really unproductive minutes, you know, cardio should feel like work. And if it doesn't, then you're not getting your money's worth out of it. So you just got to work a little bit harder. How are you training? This is the big variable. I can't be in the gym with you, but the intensity with which you train is so critical, especially when it comes to driving up your metabolism. Um, so if you're like still in the beginning stages of your gym life, and I would say like if you're within the first year or two of training, you're, you're still a beginner, you know, regardless of what you might think, you're still, you're still new at this and you still got a lot to learn. Um, and uh the big thing isn't necessarily like form or how do you do things correctly but it's learning how to lift with intensity um and so i'm always requesting videos from people to make sure like you know we're on the right ballpark uh in, in the right ballpark as far as intensity is concerned to make sure that we're training with an appropriate level of intensity and that things are hard and so one of the things that i always watch for in videos is i look at people's faces um and if it looks like you know if, if i cover up everything but your face and i can't tell if you're performing an exercise or reading a book that's an intensity problem and i see a lot of that from people who are relatively new to lifting um and so that's when we're like we just got to push it you know we got to push the weight i need to see your form breakdown i got to see you make a grimace i want to hear a grunt i want to hear you yell fuck after a set when you put the weight down that's how i know we're kind of where we need to be you know, if you're if your face isn't turning red during a set, if you're able to maintain a totally stoic expression and not even blink from, you know, rep one to rep 10 in a set, uh, uh, then no, we don't have a metabolism issue. We have an intensity issue and intensity drives results. So um, you create more of a metabolic demand on your body, the harder you work. So there are a lot of things that need to be addressed um before i start to think about slow metabolism but also like i'm always looking at all those things from the word go and those are things that i'm always considering always asking questions about and always trying to dig in on so um doing a, a macro audit on somebody if they're following a macro based plan and seeing how they're tracking things because it's very common to have tracking errors um if you're not intimately familiar with the uh, correct macronutrient values of certain foods you can be looking through the my fitness pal food database or lose it or whatever and uh pull up some database that has bogus numbers or just the wrong entry you know cooked versus dry raw blah 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 all those things so um there could be some real numerical discrepancies in there you might have a portion tagged wrong or something like that all kinds of things um that could be errors there so you got to fix that stuff you got to gut check your cardio intensity um you've got to um gut check your training intensity and then also i'm going to be looking at you know um you know blood work like when was the last time we had a blood panel done how's your thyroid what are your hormones doing um are you getting enough rest i mean it sounds dumb and this is not the sexy answer that anybody wants but sometimes you know, if somebody is pushing really hard and they're doing everything right and, you know, still just things are off like, oh, we're well, getting four hours of sleep a night, get seven and let's let's try this again. That could be all it takes, you know, so um, beyond that, um, I mean, the, the symptoms are the symptoms of a slow metabolism are doing all of those things right and still not making any progress um, and specifically when it comes to leaning out. Um, still, still not dropping any weight. So um, that's when metabolism really matters. And usually metabolism or metabolic health isn't a huge issue during the off season because the way that you fix it, how do you address that is to eat. And during the off season, we're usually eating pretty well. So less of a concern there. 
But as you as you diet and the longer you stay in a deficit, your metabolism does necessarily drop over time. The leaner you get, um, the more your metabolism slows down. So it's important that you keep it revved up as you're dieting. Most people do that through refeeds, uh, cheat meals, something like that. Sometimes you find people who don't need that and they respond okay without it. I would still challenge that most people will respond better with it. Um, so it's one of those things where you might take a perceived step backwards in that you do a refeed or a cheat meal and the scale might go up, but you do that so that the next five steps forward will be much easier and more efficient. So, um, but yeah, just feed yourself, but feed yourself reasonably. You know, you have to keep in mind that you're still in a lean out phase. You still need to maintain a deficit for the most part. So you can't just say like, well, I'm just going to eat an extra 700 calories every day. No, at that point, you're probably not in a deficit anymore. So <laughs> you're not going to lean out. Um, you can also do a little less work, you know, take a break from cardio. Um, so I'll be in a lean out phase with somebody, recognize that we're not getting anywhere and then say, okay, we're switching gears here. We're going to focus on your metabolic health for a bit, which means we're going to eat a little bit more. We're going to do, do less cardio and we're going to see if we can maintain your weight right around where it is. We're going to see if we can be in a basically a scale related holding pattern while we focus on getting your other markers um, moving upwards. So if you can maintain on higher calories, then you know that's another indication that you know maybe you just weren't working hard enough beforehand. Um, like the physical work needs to be harder, either more cardio or more intense lifting. So um, that's how I would approach it. So, um, and then Grace also had this other question here, which is a good one here. So once again, another, another sponsored break by C4 Nutribolt, all flavors, toilet water, except for midnight cherry. But man, that midnight cherry is just money. Oh my God. Somebody should ask here. Let me pose the question. Hey, Darren, I have a podcast question for you. What are your three favorite flavors of energy drinks? Okay. Now this is a subject that I have some level of passion about. So let's, let's go over here. Um, I will resist the urge to turn this into a prop segment here where I bring everything over from the fridge. Cause I have a selection in there. Top three, top three in no particular order. No, we're, we're going to do a particular order. We're going to do a particular order here. Number one, um, the goat, and always will be the goat, um, would be Monster Zero Ultra Rosé. There is nothing better than that. It is the it's the pink can. It's kind of hard to find. Um, uh, I can find it in convenience stores every now and then, but I just order it by the case from Amazon. How pathetic is that? But um, it is the best. Uh, clearly, it is the best. Uh, there is no second. Well, there is a second, but it's a distant second. Um, but that second would be. Um, Ghost Swedish Fish. Mm, man, that is some special, special stuff right there. Mm. Number three, you might think I'm going for uh, this, Midnight Cherry. You're wrong. No, not Midnight Cherry. It, it's top five probably, but it's not top three. Number three is going to be uh, Rain Orange Dreamsicle. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I don't apologize for it. That's it. Th those are the three. Ultra Rosé, Swedish Fish, Orange Dream Sickle. One, two, and three. Gold, silver, bronze. That's it. Thank you for asking whoever posed that question. Um, so Grace's question, though, and I think this will probably be the last topic for today. This is a good one. And I haven't, I haven't thought too much about this, so this is going to be a little off the cuff as well. I know everybody's like, hey, Darren, thanks for researching these things in depth before you started recording. You know... I think it's it's more interesting to explore these live. What can I say? Um, 
Grace says, I think it would be cool if you ran down a list of exercises that have a reputation for causing pain and addressing their viability or common practices that cause that pain. Okay. For example, she says, skull crushers have a reputation for causing elbow pain uh huh, and leg extensions for knee pain. Maybe. Um, are these great exercises? What causes the pain, et cetera? So um, I would say I'm not a physical therapist. So what causes the pain? You would be getting a very, very poor layman's explanation of that. So I'll probably, I'll probably skip that. Um, but let's run through it here. Let's run through it. So um, let's go. What? Let's go uh, top to bottom. No, bottom to top, shall we? So um, I'm going to write a list here of muscle groups, and we're going to we're going to talk uh, about everything here. So, um, and I might say, you know, I might rephrase her question a little bit, and ra- rather than say something that has a reputation for causing pain, since I can't really get into the cause of that because it's not my area of expertise, I might say exercises that people find problematic. Um, and sometimes that would be because of pain. Sometimes it could be because of equipment issues, not lack of equipment. Like you can't say a T-bar row is problematic because your gym doesn't have one. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll get into um, everything else there. Um, so, eh, uh, uh-huh. Um, okay. Abs. And then we'll do back, chest, shoulders. I'll do biceps and triceps separately. Okay. So we got, we got a lot of groups to dig into here. So let's get to it. First one, calves. Um, you know, usually calf stuff is okay. Um, uh, there are very select circumstances where calf exercises are going to cause an issue. And usually it's somebody that has foot issues. Um, like they've injured their foot, they've rolled an ankle or something like that, and they just can't bear a lot of weight on calf exercise. So usually those are situational. Um, I mean, you've only got a handful of calf exercises. Anyway, you've got leg press, standing, seated, donkey calf raise. They're all the same movement. Basically, it's just, you know, is your knee um, uh, extended or flexed? Is your hip extended or flexed? So, um there, um, all of those exist for a certain, a certain reason. So, like, if you have a flexed hip, flexed knee, that's a seated calf raise. If you have a flexed nip, hip, flex, flex nip, flexed hip, extended knee, that's a calf raise leg press. Um, Is that what I just said? No, seated, and then calf raise leg press. If you have extended hip and extended knee, that's a standing calf raise. And if you have extended hip and flexed knee. That is not a calf exercise that we do, but that would be like um, if you're going to do calf raises in a bridge position, I guess would do that. That might be worth trying. I've never tried that before, but that's the only combination that otherwise is left untouched. So, um, and a donkey calf raise is the same thing as a calf raise leg press, just on a, a different angle, but the sa- same combination of joint flexion and extension. So, um, calves are pretty much in the free and clear unless you have some kind of an acute issue, which will be true for a lot of these. But with that, it's like, you know, foot or ankle problems. Yeah. Um, usually those are fairly short lived just because those are areas where you're not going to accept chronic pain. Like people deal with knee pain all the time. Uh, if you've got ankle or foot pain, you're probably in a boot of some sort. Um, so, it's one of those things that it's it's not as well tolerated. Um, quads. So, and I might kind of group together quads and hamstrings here a little bit, and maybe glutes as well. Um, but quads. Grace mentioned leg extensions. Um, usually, leg extensions are good to go unless somebody has a problematic knee. Um, and oftentimes, how they execute that movement is a big part of it as well. So, you want to take it with relatively low weight and take it nice and slow. There shouldn't be any ballistic part of the movement where you're like, mm, you know 
aggressively starting a rep or anything like that. So you can control the weight up, control the weight down, no issues usually, um, unless somebody does have uh, uh, outstanding knee issues. Um, Squats are a very common one. Any variety of squats can cause issues if somebody has problems with their knees um, or hips or lower back. Um, that's another one where it's like, let's find a variation. Um, most of the time on that, it's a form issue. We make some corrections to form. We have somebody go from a high bar squat, which is almost everybody's default because they don't know any better, um, to a low bar squat. That fixes a lot of issues around the hip and lower back. Issues with stance. Um and limitations in ankle mobility will often um, address knee pain as well as glute flexibility. Um, so usually these, these are things where we don't necessarily need to change the movement. We need to fix your body a little bit, like how you do the rep, but also general mobility issues or flexibility issues. Um, if, if those are present, then they're going to cause issues for squats, especially when you get at depth. Another good thing for squats is to check and see how deep you can get without any weight. If you are just standing there, you're standing there and I say, go down and, you know, take a crap on the floor. You know, what does it look like when you squat all the way down? Like you're going to do that. Um, like I want to see if somebody can get ass to grass and keep their feet flat on the floor. And if they can, great. What's your stance look like there? That's probably what your stance should look like when you squat. Um, and if they can't, then we look at what's the limiting factor. And oftentimes that's going to be ankle mobility. And sometimes it could just be muscle tightness too. So, um, most squat issues, unless they are a, an existing back injury is the most common are fixable. And if somebody has a back injury and a squat, then doing a differently loaded squat can help a ton. A machine squat belt squat is a good option as well. Um, Otherwise, you know, quad and hamstring together, maybe glutes, um, lunges give people a lot of fits. Um, uh, again, usually due to outstanding knee issues, that's the most common cause there. Um, and uh, usually a variety of a lunge, uh, a different uh, a different alternative, like a stationary split squat, um, either freestanding or in the Smith machine can help. Um, a lot of Smith machine exercises are problematic simply because it, especially a split squat, it depends so much on where your feet are. Imagine you're doing a split squat, just holding dumbbells. And then you do a split squat where you're in a Smith machine. Well, with dumbbells, um, you know, you just grab the dumbbells and you get your stance and go. In the Smith machine, where the weight is, is in a fixed spot. It doesn't move. It goes up and down, but that's it. Um, which means that your feet have to be in exactly the right spot to accommodate where the weight is. So I will usually see it where people um, have their stance either too compact or they're too far back in the Smith machine so that the weight's too far out in front of them and it creates weird things. A lot of people have a good body awareness and after a rep, they can realize like, oh, I need to move forward. And some people don't. And they're just like, and it just looks horribly uncomfortable to watch them do that. That's simply because the weight can't shift itself um, to compensate for where your center of gravity is because it's in the Smith machine. Um, with a dumbbell or a barbell or anything else, that's a non-issue. So, um, but usually some, some variation on a lunge, um, will take care of any issues there. Um, with, uh, you know, glute hamstring, um, you know, usually a deadlift variety is the thing that I would consider most problematic. And again, that's usually an experience issue. A lot of people just don't know how to do it. They aren't comfortable with it. They've never done it before. They've never had somebody watch their form and critique it. So they don't go very heavy on it because they're uncertain, which is, I think, standard, good, safe practice. But then because they're not going very heavy on it, they don't really get much benefit from it. Deadlift is something that, you know, you kind of have to have a little bit of weight on there. If you're trying to deadlift 95 pounds and you expect to see much from that, you're not going to get a whole lot from it so um 
that's the main one that I can think of there. Other glute ham stuff. Um, oh, well, you know, see, uh, curl machines, um, seated curl machines or line curl machines, especially if you're outside of a certain height range, um, can be challenging to get working right. Um, and sometimes they just pull on, on muscles and tendons and joints weirdly, and they just don't feel good. And I get that a lot from people. Um, and uh, the solution there is just, you know, there's a bunch of knee flexion exercises, just pick a different one. Um, so a stability ball curl, you can do a standing curl with a cable. If the seated curl is bothering you, try lying vice versa as well. Um, so you got a lot of options there. A Nordic curl is another good option too. Um, a lot of times with a seated or lying curl, it's just about getting the machine adjusted correctly. And most of them will adjust to fit most people. I, I hear a lot where somebody will say, I can't do a seated curl because I'm too short and I don't fit the machine. Like you do, we just have to find it. And so let me see it. <laughs> let me see. I've never seen anybody that was too short to fit in a seated curl machine to make it effective. That being said, also, it could be like, you know, if you're really short and you're stuck in a gym that just has a really, really shitty seated curl machine, yeah, it, it might just be a, the confluence of all the wrong circumstances that like, yep, that's not going to work. You need a different curl machine. So problem isn't you. Problem is faulty machinery that just sucks. So um, abs, uh, decline bench setup. This just came up this morning with somebody, actually. Um, I don't know what it is about that, but that m movement gives a lot of people fits. Um, and it's like back issues specifically. I think a lot of the times it has more to do with like getting set up in the weird, very awkward decline bench than it does anything else. Um, but nonetheless, that's one that I tend to program very little just because of that. And also a lot of gyms just are not really well equipped with decline benches. And if they do have one, it's not necessarily the greatest quality. So um, back exercises. Let's see what, what back exercises cause issues as far as being problematic. You know, with back back exercises, the biggest issue there is really just um, execution. And a lot of people, I would say a majority of people, really struggle to execute back movements properly. You can't see what you're doing. Um, you can't see the muscles working like you can on other things. Like if you're doing leg extensions, you can pull up your shorts and see your quads moving under your skin. It's kind of easy to visualize what's going on there with your back. It's difficult to take your arms out of the equation, your grip fatigues. That's why I always tell people to use lifting straps, whether you feel you need them or not. Irrelevant, just use them anyway. Um, you know, there's, there's so many things that go into making back difficult to train. Um, it's complex. There's a lot of layers. It works in multiple planes. Um, you've got vertical poles. You've got horizontal, horizontal poles. Horizontal, you like that? Um, so there's a lot of things there that can make back exercises really challenging. Um, and then, you know, even the same exercise, you adjust the grip and now suddenly it's hitting things totally different. And I think that's just confounding for a lot of people to try and understand why does that, what am I supposed to be doing here? I don't know, whatever. I'm just going to pull and, you know, see what happens, um, which is fair, but it's always good to know a little bit more about what you're trying to accomplish for sure. Um, what else? What else for back? Pull-ups are a big struggle for a lot of people, of course. Um, that's commonly the case. Um and that, a lot of that is a technique issue as much as anything else. Um, sometimes it, it is a strength issue for sure. Um, but just remember a pull-up's a skill. And even if you have the requisite strength to do a bunch of pull-ups, if your skill isn't there, you're going to struggle with them. Um, and conversely, if you don't have a lot of strength and your technique is really good, 
you're still going to struggle with them because you don't have a lot of strength. Um, but you got to resist the urge to let your arms take over because your arms aren't really strong enough to pull your body up. Your back is. You got to make sure that you're using your back. Um, pullovers would be another one. Um, sometimes it's just people struggle if, if they have limitations with shoulder mobility. Um, but I find that even though it's essentially the same movement, um, doing a straight arm pull down with a cable um, is better for people than a, uh, a pullover. Um, I will typically sub out a pullover for a straight arm pull down simply because I feel like I can control the weight better. It's also universally easier for me to set up and just get into and out of quickly. So um, I'll usually pick it for that reason. Um, but if I have a good pullover machine, I'm going to use that because that's that's money. I love that. Um, let's see. Chest. You know, just about any chest exercise can cause people fits just because shoulder problems are very, very common. And if you have shoulder problems, then most checks, chest exercises are probably going to give you fits realistically. So um, anything in specific, you know, flies, um, dumbbell flies, if you go for too much range of motion, they can certainly cause issues like too much in the stretch position um, can cause shoulder problems. Um, they can really tweak it over time. Um, just going too heavy. I mean, a lot of it's just ego related with, which, with bench pressing, you go too heavy and you're going to hurt something, but you're probably not going to hurt it severely enough to require surgery. You're just going to hurt enough to the point where if you continue to do what you're doing and you don't give it time to recover, it's going to continue to be pissed off for years. Um, so don't, don't ego lift. That's the moral of that story. Um, Kind of drawn a blank for the rest of chest stuff. Um, shoulders, presses, overhead presses are the most common limitation that I get from people, um, usually due to some kind of pre-existing shoulder condition. Um, a lot of people are, are, if they have a shoulder issue, they've been told by a doctor that they shouldn't overhead press anymore, um, which could be valid. Um, I also think that overhead pressing is one of those things like, I like to do it. I like to program it in. But if somebody said, hey, Darren, um, there's a new law that's been passed and you can't program overhead presses for shoulders anymore, I'd be like, hmm, okay, that's fine. We've got a lot of other stuff we can do. So I wouldn't miss it too much. Um, one thing about uh, the late John Meadows and, and most of his shoulder programming that he has available online, um, it, it's devoid of overhead presses. It's all isolation movements and, and rows for shoulders. That's it. So um, I think he, I don't know if he suffered from that himself, um, but he definitely adopted that like, okay, let's keep overhead pressing to an absolute minimum kind of philosophy. Um, biceps and triceps, you know, Grace mentioned, uh, uh, Skull crushers for elbows, keeping the weight lighter on that is usually the answer, but also checking your technique and seeing like how your, your humerus is positioned, your upper arm bone, like what degree of shoulder extension and flexion you have throughout the movement can help um, place more or less stress on the elbow. Um, dips are an issue, um, both with shoulders and elbows, um, whether you're going for tricep emphasis or chest emphasis, either way is problematic. Um, Solution on that is, you know, um, if somebody has a problem with body weight dips, sometimes it's a strength issue, like with pull-ups as well. Um, you can do them assisted. Sometimes people still struggle with that. Bench dips, okay alternative. Machine dips, much better. It's just not every gym has a dip machine, um, like a weighted, plate-loaded, or selectorized dip machine. Um, but that'd be a good option. Oh, hey, Derby. What you doing, girl? Derby. Hello. Hi. Look at that face. My goodness. That is one cute freaking dog. I know I've said it before, but I'm going to keep saying it. She's really stinking cute. Um, anything else for triceps? 
most of the rest of it's pretty good for biceps not too much gets to them um a lot of people i would be one of these actually that struggles with reverse curls um like it's not really the muscle pain but there's some it's it's a it's an issue with the grip um to be honest with you um and it's the same if i go reverse curl or if i do a supinated um curl or a reverse grip pull down same grip so supinated pull down with a straight bar like there's a muscle in my forearm that gets super tight to the point where a few reps in it's painful painful lactic acid burning look at her going after that bed you get it girl you get it i don't know what she's trying to do there but man that's freaking funny get it make that nest girl make it comfy make that bed your bitch <laughs> how many how many times in a circle now is that and then she's gonna oh i thought she was ready to just plop down oh she giving it the what for pulling on it with the teeth what are you doing and right back to where she started eventually eventually and there she goes all right had to make it just perfect just perfect nothing changed girl it's just where you were <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, that's going to be the clip from from this podcast episode, I think, that I air online. Um, it, I, I don't know what it is. The, the PT that I saw in 2021 last year explained it to me, but I didn't take good enough mental notes, so I don't remember. Um, there are stretches that I should be doing to help that muscle loosen up a little bit, but with a supinated grip or um, with a reverse curl, it, it's the same area that's under tension and it just gets so painful. It becomes the limiting factor. Like if I'm doing a reverse grip pull down with a straight bar, um, I can only do four or five reps. Um, and then it's like, Oh my God, like I have to stop the set. It's that bad. If I do it with an easy bar, it's better. Um, same thing with curls as well. So other than that, biceps are pretty easy peasy. Most people don't struggle with them too much until they start swinging it. And then suddenly it's like my shoulder hurts when I'm doing a bicep curl. It's a good sign that you're probably using too much weight. So, Oh, Whew, that was pretty exhaustive. Okay, I'm I'm actually exhausted and beat right now. So, well, a couple other notes for you here, really quick. I have huge projects in the works. Um, I am relaunching the website with a whole new e-commerce system online, uh, which is what we will use to um, what I will be used using to have workout programs for sale, which they are now, but it'll be under a different system, and then also. Um, merch which will be expanding beyond just the shirts that i have available now um also i'm going to be doing some logo updates um the logo is not changing but the uh, specific artwork files and some of the colors are um so keep your eyes peeled for that just you know if if there comes a week in the coming weeks here where i miss a podcast episode or something like that it's probably because i'm knee deep into the website and um also because of reasons I don't know. Um, I am not able to edit my newly designed website offline. So I have to kind of play around with my theme options a little bit um, and figure out what I want to do and then make it live and then implement all of those. Like it won't let me because there's some kind of a stupid problem with it. Um, it won't let me work on it in a staging site. Um, so I haven't <clears throat> completely given that up yet. It's just, it's going to be a phone call that probably won't have a positive answer. So I'm, I'm not looking forward to it, but, um, it, 
once I decide to go live with it, it's going to be a mad scramble for a few days to make sure that all the bits and pieces are there. So um, bear, bear with me on that. There's just could be some weird, weird stuff coming up. I'll try to keep everybody updated as much as I can. So um, check me out on uh, Instagram at Darren underscore star to stay on the up and up there. Um, go to the dropset.com a vote on the poll. What are your thoughts on extended breaks of more than two consecutive days from training? Let me know what you think there. Otherwise, email me, um, Darren at fivestarfitness.com if you have ideas for guests to interview. Bonus points if you can help me make a connection to said guest. Um, and uh, also just uh, general ideas, you know, uh, topics for discussion um, for here. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll cover those later. So that is all I got. That is all I got. So I will peace out. This has been episode 209. Thank you all for listening. As always, don't forget to share with your friends, tag me in your posts, um, leave the podcast a rating or a review whenever you're in.